0: GP Insights, a HealthCert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. My name is Paul Elmsley. I'm the founder and CEO of HealthCert. I'm here with Dr. Joe Kosterich, who's an expert in the area of medicinal cannabis and part of our wonderful faculty who's put together our program. And we've had lots of questions come from you around this because it's obviously a, a new and a sort of relatively new area of medicine and, and lots of questions. And we're very grateful for Joe and his many years of experience to be able to pick his brains today. So hi, Joe. How are you? G'day, Paul. Good to be with you. Excellent. Um, so today I've got a, a group of questions around sort of general statistics, evidence related to medicinal cannabis. So um, I'll start you with the first question. So. Um, How many medicinal cannabis prescribers are there in Australia at present?
1: Yeah, look, um, and that's increasing almost every day at the moment. So I think whatever answer I give you is probably going to be out of date by tomorrow. It's something getting in excess of 1,500, um, I think, as at the end of of December. The um, TGA put out a paper I think in late 2019 for a Senate inquiry. And I think at that stage, it was already around about the thousand mark. So, well, you know, by the time we've, people are finished watching this, there might well be another prescriber somewhere. I you know, wouldn't be surprised as even by now, it's, it's getting close to, to 2000. The TGA has that data, they don't always publish it.
0: Yeah, uh, look, and look, so, and because it is new and or growing and expanding, it is, as I said. Um, and, so- I, and I would
1: add there are, as the end of December 2020, 180 authorised prescribers um, as okay. well.
0: And then just as far as you know number of patients per month or number of scripts per month joe have you got any sort of data yes, on how much yeah
1: time? again that's on the, that's that's freely available on the cga website and at the moment it's running at around about six thousand per month and that's that's approvals um so that's not necessarily new patients because an approval might be renewed just to, to put it in perspective in 2018 there are two and a half thousand approvals for the entire calendar year Um, And that since then has gone up quite significantly to, I think in total, probably we're getting close to 100,000 approvals all up and that's SASB approvals. So authorized prescriber prescriptions are in addition to that. Um, And yeah, running at at 6,000 plus uh, SASB approvals per month at the moment, and uh, that's up from, you know, three to 4,000 a month about a year ago. And as I said, two and a half thousand for the entire calendar 2018.
0: Excellent. What's the evidence base to date for medicinal cannabis use?
1: Yeah, look, and I think if people, as people do the course, they're, they're going to find there's, a, you know, there is a truckload of references if they want to go onto PubMed and just, go, you know, put in a search for medicinal cannabis and when whatever condition you're interested in, you'll find there is a lot of research out there in chronic pain, in Parkinson's, in multiple sclerosis, in, chem, in, uh, you know, chemotherapy induced nausea and vomiting, and cancer symptoms, in dementia care, in, in anxiety, and insomnia, and in autism. There, there, there's a lot of research out there. Uh, including the Cochrane Collaboration has done reviews on use in, in chronic pain. Uh, the National Academies of Engineering and Sciences in America has looked at this. So anybody who wants to say there is no evidence, um, I'll absolutely take issue with that because there, there is excellent quite a lot.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And as I said and it's sort of the, the, as I said from a, it's got a very long historical record of obviously its use, but obviously in the modern Western world, I suppose, as far as what you know 20 years or so, as obviously governments, um, you know, made it legal and obviously then obviously some of the research and I I think as I said, it's a little bit different to what we'd be used to obviously with large drug companies investing millions and millions and millions of dollars because obviously they're trying to get products approved into market. so the other question I have for you then is, um, are there any randomized trial, uh, control trials showing significant benefits of CBD use in certain conditions? So is there specific areas that maybe have a lot more evidence to it for any particular reason?
1: Yeah, look, probably um, chronic pain is going to be where there's the most um, evidence because it's the, the biggest and most major use. Um, I think there's been about 600 plus studies done Um, In the last five years or so, the Lambert Institute, uh, which is attached to, I think it's the University of Sydney, has around about $35 million to invest over a period of time, I think it began in 2018, to do studies in medicinal cannabis, there's a company called Zalira, which is a listed company, which is doing studies in autism and insomnia. There's work being done as a, at a number of universities around the, the country and in conjunction with a number of, of companies, a company that I do some work with, Little Green Pharma, is involved with the University of Sydney and what's called the Quest Initiative, which hopes to be the biggest uh, trial of its kind in the world, uh, looking at uh, the uh, impacts of medicinal cannabis on quality of life. So there's, you know, over the next five years or so, um, and, and especially in Australia, because of the model we've adopted, which has been a bit different to that in North America and, and Canada, uh, you know, we're gonna see a, a lot of re- additional research findings come, uh, come in. So it's not that there isn't data and research out there. There is, and as you said before, it's been used for thousands of years in a, in a number of uh, human cultures, but we're going to see a lot uh, more, a
0: lot more. Excellent. And as you sort of mentioned in the course, when we talk about the different conditions, then we talk about obviously the evidence around that uh, as well. Um, uh, are TGA approvals for specific patients? Um, I know uh, absolutely, that.
1: yeah, for a specific patient, for a specific uh, indication. So when you do your, um, uh, your application, and, and I think we probably touched on this in one of the other um, sessions, Paul, that yes, you do need to detail uh, the individual patient, the individual formulation and the indication. And there's a drop down box. Uh, So you can select variably chronic pain, cancer symptoms, anxiety, insomnia, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, not going to list them all, but there is a drop down box. And if what you're wanting to prescribe for isn't in that drop down box, and that would be not that common, Um, you know, you can put in um, a a different indication. And if the TGA does have evidence for it, and I mentioned before in another, I think, uh, session we did pull 130 plus conditions, then, you know, they will approve it.
0: Excellent. Yes. So if you do want more information on that, our first uh, you know, webinar on this particular topic does go into much greater depth if you hadn't a chance to catch that one. Um, and then how much does um, CBD or medicinal cannabis cost the patient on average? Just sort of, Yeah, it's um, well, well, a little bit
1: like know. how long is a piece of string and the prices are coming down as production is, is increasing, then, you know, volume cost is going down. The critical question is how much does it cost per day because, for example, if you get a and most of the products in Australia at this stage are, are oils. Um, you may have a 50 ml bottle or a 25 ml bottle and it's a matter of how much you need to take of that per day, um, rather than the cost of the bottle, which is fixed. Look, generally it's going to be at the moment somewhere between 3 and $10 a day would be the, the estimate. Obviously, people are needing to take slightly higher doses, they're going to go through their bottles more quickly. Uh, some people do surprisingly well on a very low dose and, and a bottle lasts them longer than you might expect. But, look, you know, the old cup of coffee analogy always gets trotted out. You know, it, it's, not, it's not unreasonable to say that it's going to be somewhere between one and two cups of coffee per day for most people. Now, again, not everybody buys takeaway coffee, you know, have got to understand that my personal experience and, and talking with colleagues in the field is that um, nobody really nobody really does seem to balk at the price now whether that's because by the time people are coming in to inquire about medicinal cannabis they've already done a little bit of homework and, and research and, and already have some feel about that um, you know, I can I can't comment but you know you can be you just have to be straight up with people and say to well, them this is what it's going to going to cost and, um, and I think uh, in my own memory, I think so far out of nearly a couple of hundred people, I think one has said, look, that's just not going to work for me. And that's absolutely fair enough, obviously. Um, it's a discussion you need to have with the patient. There is no PBS coverage at this stage. One private insurer, um, can, I, can I mention the name? Yes, you can. Go for it. Yeah. Um, so HIF, they do cover it on one of their tables uh, under ancillary. And if people are on, a, on trials, and, and there are a number of trials, and I mentioned the, the, the Quest initiative is one, there are other trials. If people are qualified to go into those trials, then there may be a, you know, some subsidy in, in those cases.
0: Yeah, and I think obviously the sort of patients you're dealing with are looking for solutions to fairly significant problems. So, um, yep. you know, when you're, when you're living in pain or otherwise, you know, I mean, you would probably almost do anything to obviously alleviate it. That's, that's a critical point. Gives, and I think we, we spoke also in a webinar, Paul, about you
1: know doctors being a bit reluctant about either A, charging for their own services, and B, what people might pay. But um, these people have all been through a whole host of other treatments, and they're still having their quality of life impaired, that they're still variably in pain or, or can't sleep or have other symptoms. And if their quality of life is improved, they really are, you know, that they regard that as good value for their money um, is my experience. And the worst case scenario is that they've been on it for a couple of months and yes they have invested a little bit of money and they find it hasn't helped them. They're not obligated to continue. You know they can stop if it's not helping. If the benefits are not there, then you don't continue.
0: And, and do, is it one of these sort of products once again that you let's say you've got a patient, you want to start them off, you put them on you know a lower dose formulation, see how that works, then either increase obviously the frequency of its consumption or look at obviously you know a, you know, a higher ratio or a high quality product I mean how do you sort of approach that from first-time patient use you know to really understand how obviously they're reacting to it
1: yeah look and that's again another question we could talk for hours Paul but uh, look essentially it's a it's combination of of factors. It's always starting at a low dose, regardless of whether you're using pure CBD or combinations or even through to high THC, it's probably pretty rare that you can start there unless it's palliative care. But you can always start at a low dose because some people will surprise you and do well at a lowish dose. Um, and then the formulation that you select may be governed by factors, including, you know, their employment and, and you know, and all requirements to, to drive uh, may be, you know, influenced by other medications that they're, they're currently on. And then, yes, you can sort of, as with blood pressure medications, if you don't get a response to a lower dose, you can slightly increase the dose, increase it again to a point where you feel this is the, the maximum reasonable dose. If there's no response at that point, then it may be about looking to change, you know, formulation, but very, very individualized. Again, to give the example of blood pressure, you might reach a maximum dose of the blood pressure medication, and then the blood pressure isn't coming down. You might say, we need to stop this and start something else, or... It might be, we need to add a little bit of another thing. So people can be on two different medicinal cannabis products. Again, a bit like you can be on two blood pressure drugs. Very, very personalized.
0: Excellent. Uh, Well, Joe, that's uh, the questions I've got for you today. So I really do appreciate your time and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more and please share it with others. And for more info, please go to helpcert.com.